Welcome to episode seven of Trivial Arguments. We'll do some trivia. We'll get into some arguments. I'm here with my friend Matt, who you might remember joined us in episode three. We'll talk about Carlos Rodon's would-be perfect game. We'll check in with the Cubs and Sox, who are both coming off bad losses. And we'll do some White Sox trivia that should be quite random and probably easy for Matt. So, hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Lemdog, how's it going? Um, it's going. It, uh, I feel a lot better that the White Sox played earlier today because if we only had to talk about yesterday's cup loss, um, you, you, you probably would have had a lot more ammo than you do now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, it. It, it's even the playing field a little bit <laughs> for sure. I will tell you that I bet that Anthony Rizzo was going to hit a home run and I bet like a hundred dollars on it and I got about almost 600. So I was like, oh, good day. <laughs> I don't like that Hendricks is getting lit up, but I like that'll, money. That'll get the job done. That's a, that's a big day. When did you get the, the deep pockets for betting? Last time I checked in with you, you were betting $1 that Anthony <laughs> when did it jump to times 100? Um, I don't know. I was sitting on the couch yesterday and I looked at my dad and I said, um, can you look up who's on the mound for Atlanta and tell me whether it's a lefty or a righty? And he's like, it's a righty. And I said, okay, um, I'm not betting any money on Jock Peterson because that is a waste of time. So I was like, the only other lefty that I care about in the lineup is Rizzo. I wish I got paid double for two home runs. I wish the first one was $500 and the second one was another payout. And it's like, oh, you guessed right. It was an Anthony Rizzo home run. And I just keep getting a bunch of money. Unless he's like, are, like, are we making more money? I'm like, no. So pre-wife was no. not, too, not too excited that we weren't getting double paid. But she was very excited that we were getting paid. <laughs> Yeah, just don't fall in love with those $100 home run bets because that's a dangerous game. Well, she was like, are, are you going to like start making bets on my phone? I'm like, no. <laughs> I was like, I mean, like at a dollar at a time? Yes, it's fairly easy. But if you want me to start dropping hundos on dingers, that's, that's a very fickle game. because I'm th- Unless you're doing it for your mean Mercedes, man, then that, that's payday all day, every day. You mean the pitcher, your mean? Mercedes, yeah, <laughs> ERA of nine. That math checks out one run over one inning times nine. Yeah, I'm good like that, but uh, yeah, give up one earned run. Yeah, it was one earned. I wish I saw what pitch it was on if it was like a 58, like <laughs> slow pitch that kind of just hooked in the zone and somebody just cranked it. Or so, so for those of you listening from the future. Um, today is April 19th, and the White Sox didn't do very good. But on April 18th, the Cubs didn't do good either. <laughs> so, if you're listening tomorrow, you know, whatever, just know that bad loss is back to back. The funny part is, if we would have re- been recording this like currently, the Sox would still be playing, wouldn't have been that big a deal. But of course, it was, it was Patriot Day where they play at 10 yeah. in the morning. Well, I was wondering why. I thought it was like a makeup game. And then I realized they're in Boston. It was Patriot Day and they played at 1110 or something. Yeah. I mean, so it was uh, the days like named after them, you know, Boston Patriots and whatever. So it's like, why wouldn't they do good? It's almost an insult that they'd lose on Patriot Day. Well, I will tell you, it was the it was real early in the morning for a baseball game here in California. I'll tell you, I can't confirm. 
So for those of you who are who weren't listening in episode three, first of all, shame on you. <laughs> Second of all, I'm in beautiful, sunny Chicago. Matt's in freezing cold California. It's a two-hour two hour delay. So again, you're hearing this from the future. Um, but Matt usually records the game, and then he gets mad when I say, hey, like, did you see that? And, and then he's like, no, because I'm recording it. And I'm like, well, I will just tell you that this person is a home run. Well, the other reason I have to record the two-hour time difference, but the west, the Pacific time zone, anything on the West Coast is the worst time zone to watch sports in, the absolute worst. Anybody who's been here and tried, you know, if, you know, 10 a.m. football, does that do the trick for anybody? No, it doesn't. I mean, I, I don't like the 9 p.m. baseball games when they play San Diego or whatever. So the difference is when you're trying to put down, you know, 15 wings at 10 a.m. watching a football game, it can be tough. It can be tough. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, it, it's like when they play in like London and the game's at 8 a.m. So is that 6 a.m. for you? Yes, it is. Gross. <laughs> yeah, uh, ask, how many, ask how many football games from London I watched since I moved to California. So quick answer of zero. There's zero chance that I would ever watch the, the 6 a.m. London football game here. I got burned, not last year, but the year before. Whatever Melvin Gordon's last year with the Chargers was, they played in London, and I woke up at like 8.02. I looked at my phone, and I had a notification that was like, Melvin Gordon, um, you know, ineligible or not playing or whatever. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. Stupid london game i don't know if i won or lost that week but i know that i was infuriated <laughs> if i would have woken up four minutes earlier i would have caught it in time there's no reason to wake up on a sunday at freaking you know eight o'clock in the morning it is when it is if you want to do anything before football starts when you live on the west coast it's like yeah. you know you know i think i really do think the central time zone is the best for sport watching. You get your football at noon, one o'clock if you watch in the East, not, it's, it feels like you're, wait, it's, you're waiting so long. All your primetime games are at seven. Yeah. Like primetime games are at five. No, like, that's gross. Like you're driving home from work and like the game started? Driving home from work or, you know, starting to cook dinner. You know, there's, it's always, always the worst time so that's that's why I, re, I end up recording and i have all the notifications on my phone off <laughs> i have the only notifications they tell me are like obviously news updates but then game start time definitely not update you get like injury updates too hmm? you get injury updates too yeah so sometimes like the i got the lance lynn il and Someone I, went from healthy to out and it's like oh <laughs> yeah so I, I get those every once in a while, but in general, I just like, don't tell me when it ends. I'll end up watching it at some point, but yeah, the Pacific time zone really sucks for sports, but it is nice every once in a while when you get the game you want to watch on the West coast. And then it's like, Oh, this feels normal. It's like a seven o'clock game. That sounds, that's great. Seven yeah. start. And that's the one that everybody else complains about. That's the nine Oh five or the 10 Oh five start. If you're in the East coast. Yeah, no, those are uh, god awful. I couldn't even imagine because those are outliers. But for you, for you to catch that one good game at seven, <laughs> that ruins everybody else's day. But everybody else, you know, has all the good games and you get screwed. 
Yeah. The other I, part. This is pretty much just like a come home mat uh, talk, but. <laughs> here's the uh, here's the other part is, so you watch a game, you, you know, you go out for a game, it's seven o'clock game, it's over by nine, you know, you've had some beers, you go home, you know, 10 o'clock, it's like the day's over. My game's in end at seven. It's like, now what? I have to stay <laughs> wherever I'm at and just drink for another three hours before I go home? California beer prices aren't cheap, man. I mean, but you could do it. I mean, I do do it, but geez. <laughs> but hey, my worry um, last week, um, April 14th, if you're from the future, because um, I know that you record the games. And when I noticed that Carlos Rodon was like rolling and didn't give up any hits, I was like, oh, like, I want to text Matt, but I was like, I don't want to ruin <laughs> this no-hitter perfect game for him if he's recording it. But I was like, there's no way that he doesn't know that this is happening. Somebody has to have accidentally told him or, you know, I feel like, like somebody had to have told you. But I was like, I didn't want it to be me who ruined it. So I'll wait for that person to ruin it. And then I'll just piggyback on the conversation. So that one I randomly happened to be watching like just 30 minutes behind, like not long at all. I just was like, you know, finishing up some laundry or something before I started the game. So that one actually, I was, I was behind, but I, I, I was, as I, I think it got to like, you know, the fourth or fifth inning, I think the fifth inning of a perfect game. And I was just like, I was just like fast forwarding through everything I could. Like all the junk. I'm I mean, wondering like why the game was flying by. And it's like, did they just not have anybody on base? <laughs> I just, I knew I needed to get caught up because I didn't want to be on delay and miss that and then have everybody text me or get all the notifications because those notifications wouldn't be turned off. That's team news. <laughs> right. So I, I did get, I ended up getting caught. I got caught up by like the, I think the end of the sixth or maybe, maybe it was the, the top of the seventh. So I was able to see the seventh, eighth and ninth live. Yeah. Which was, I'm glad I did because I, I that's something I wouldn't want to, but that's, it's the risk. It's the game I play being the guy who records sporting events. Everybody hates that guy, but that's me. Yeah. Well, I was worried, like I said, that I was going to like ruin it for you. But for those that don't know, um, April 14th, um, Carlos Rodan had a, a then perfect game going into the ninth inning. Um, I had turned it on maybe an inning before because I have Rodon in fantasy baseball, and I'm like, man, I'm getting a lot of points. Like, he's got to be almost like perfect this entire game. And then I like kind of zoomed in on the stats. I was like, oh, he has been perfect the entire game. Uh, perfect up until what the 26th out, or well, no, the 25th out, whatever it ends up being. But yeah, um, so he was supposed to have a perfect game. But the, was it a slider? Was it a cutter? It was something. Yeah, he threw that. That like, I mean, they call it a back foot slider. That's literally, you know, when there's somebody's throwing that that slider. They, oh, the front foot slider. <laughs> and he he can even be mad. He he hit his spot. He's throwing a back foot slider and nailed it. I mean, they like you know slowed down the video, and I was like, could he have like moved his foot? Like, did it just barely graze him? I was like, no, he he hit him on the top of the foot. So I was like, ah. Uh, it sucks, but at least it was like a definitive, like, no, he was hit. And it wasn't one of those, like, we have to go to the booth and figure out, like, whether he was hit or not, or did it hit the bat, or, you know, this one straight yeah. up. Curved, hit him in the top of the foot. 
lost the perfect game on it. Obviously, you got a no-hitter, so also nice. It was weird that it was like you were so ready for a perfect game. I think the difference was like it when a perfect game gets broken up in the eighth inning, then you're just excited for the – it was like the fact that the perfect game got broke up just two batters before the game ended, it felt a little weird. Like I, I was super happy – and like celebrating, you know, fist pumping in my room alone. <laughs> Excited that Carlos Rodon threw a no hitter, but it, it it did have this little bit of like, man, which I feel like other no hitters don't have. And it, it, I think it matters if that person, that person, the first base runner is in the ninth inning or not, because for whatever reason, I was I was obviously like I said, super excited, but it just didn't really. It didn't really line up with how excited I thought I was going to be for the perfect game. When was the, um, like the Jose Abreu, like slid to first, like keep the game intact. Was that before the hit by pitch or. Yes. So that was out one that he, that he fought hard to slide to first to get the out. I can't remember if it was the eighth or ninth actually right now. I thought it was the ninth, but the first out in the ninth. That's what I thought. I thought that was the twenty, the twenty fifth out. But yeah, I mean, so the ball did it get hit to Jose? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was that that slow roller up the first baseline, kind of in no man's land. It was slow enough where Rodon really couldn't get over to the bag, and it was close enough to the bag where the toss from. Abreu to Rodon would have been, you know, like a three foot toss. He probably would have had to take it himself anyways. It, it was kind of just like the slow roller, no man's land. And people will say that like Rodon should have covered. I, I guess you always should cover. Right. But I think it was the right move to leave it. If you've watched, if you watch the replay again, because he was over there, it wasn't like he was slow off the mound. He was there, but he had to let the ball pass him. Yeah. We had to slow down to let the ball pass him because it was the slow roller. And then, it, like I said, it would, it would have been like a, a three-foot real awkward throw. So I was thinking that was the only actual, like, play. It was the only play. I I, I think he, he was trying to cover. He realized he couldn't. He would have more been in the way than anything. And then Jose stepped up, and there's always a play like that, right? Every no-hitter, a perfect game, there's always a play I think back to the the Mark Burley perfect game. The Dwayne Wise bobble in the outfield. Yeah, it robbed the home run. That, that was brutal to watch. To think that you came down with it and then he had to like keep juggling the ball. I was like, Mark Burley was probably having a heart attack. Yeah. Thinking that the ball's caught and all of a sudden this man's throwing the ball in the air. Right. Uh, what the hell is you and Dwayne? He was bringing it back, man. <laughs> you imagine if like Rodon didn't cover and Jose went to toss the ball to him and like Rodon stopped and the ball just went like between them, like in the air and just. That would have been like the saddest. Yeah. Because I know you would have blamed himself. Do you think Abreu would have blamed himself or do you think Rodon would have blamed himself? I don't think they would have blamed each other. 
I will know they both would have blamed them blamed themselves but the, the point I thought it was interesting the point that you brought up when we were texting about it after it happened <laughs> you could have just blown it and thrown it in yeah but they were trying to protect the perfect game at that point was the only flaw in that logic but I think that would be a hilarious thing like just, if I knew that I wasn't going to cover I just literally turn around and just whip the ball elsewhere just like a, a throws like throws a grenade into the opposing team's dugout. Yeah. <laughs> just watch someone scatter and be like, whoops. Just so, so they have to like deliberate and be like, so that was clearly intentional. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, he didn't get the ball where it was supposed to go. So is that not an error? <laughs> like I would have loved to see the umpire review and all three of them to just be like, this is insane. He literally threw the ball away on purpose. <laughs> and then the one guy to be like, yeah, but. <laughs> Still an error. The official score first. Yeah. Who is an official score? Is there is one per ballpark? How does that even work? Do you know that? Um, I think there's I thought there was two. But yeah. I mean that's a, a, a fickle job as well. Like who wants to be the guy that calls hit during a perfect game or a no hitter? Like, who wants to be the jerk who has to, like, make that call? I mean, obviously, it's their job, but it's still. But, oh, but okay, name a official scorekeeper. It's low low stakes, dude. Nobody knows. Like, you don't know who it is. Yeah, but your family does. <laughs> Get a call from mom and be like, hey, saw you blew that game. <laughs> I had $100 on that game. You should bet a dollar like your brother. Then, yeah, that's that's what they would say. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so that was against Cleveland. Sox won eight to nothing. Um, coincidentally, I believe Carlos Rodon pitches tomorrow in Cleveland against Cleveland. So kind of hoping that he gets a perfect game just to be like, oh, yeah, like now it's like definitive. Like how cool would that be? Ah, I, I that- wouldn't like hearing about it as a Cub fan to be like, oh, God, two in a row. Like save it, but that would be the coolest thing to ever happen in baseball. Yeah, like like the do over game. Like yeah, now we got it right. Right, like his- especially he doesn't throw that pitch all game. <laughs> yeah, the, I didn't even think about that. I I did think about I I like thinking about like the the record for most shutout innings. Yeah, and it's. I know Mark Burley had it for a while. Bobby Jenks had it for a while. I know, obviously, the Sox records, but, like, throwing nine shutout innings is, is pretty good. But it's, I also think it, there's, like, a record for consecutive batters without a hit. Yeah. That I think it was, like, the records in the 40s or something. So, you, know, you, you throw a couple innings here of, of no-hit ball, always got a chance for the record. I will tell you that I I bring it up because it's, you know, factual and that's what we're talking about. But somebody from Clemson on the softball team, I forget what her name is, but she had back-to-back no-hitters. Like, she had one, like, the other day. And that was her second consecutive start, and she threw another no-hitter. So, it's like, I mean, look how cool that would be if, you know, Carlos Rodon was able to do it, but I was like, this girl from Clemson just did it, and there's like no fanfare, and I was like, no, you should be like blowing this chicks up, you know? Like, yeah, that's that's crazy. That's like that is absolutely crazy. 
Yeah, I forget what her name is. And I sound like the jerk who's like, everybody should be talking about this. <laughs> I can't tell you what her name is. But uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go. I found it. I found it because I care about her. Let's see. And at Eastern, I was on the softball beat, so obviously. You know, have to represent Valerie Cagle. She's 20 and three, second no hitter of the season on Sunday. So there you go. They were back to back. Yeah. I believe her last start was. Yeah. That's nuts. She also had a home run in the game. So way to flex on them. Be like, I know you guys don't have a hit, but now I have a hit. So, like, what a power move. Like, oh, you guys have a zero in the scoreboard? I've been doing uh, all the work on defense, so now I'll just, you know, light it up on offense, too. Like, what a day. And then you go back, and it's like, oh, school's on Monday. It's like, no, that sounds terrible. <laughs> to be unpaid in college sports and then throw back-to-back no-hitters and just be like, oh, cool. Like, did you get your homework done? <laughs> like, no, I'd be a celebrity for the rest of my life. That's a bizarre thing. So I just looked up the the consecutive batters retired. It is it's forty six, and Mark Burley held the record at forty five, and that was out. It was after one of his perfect games or no hitters, and then the next game he took, I don't know, kind of pretty deep. It, it like it was. I think it was over three games for for Burley. Is how it went. Yes, he said it was forty five. So he that was what. Into the sixth inning. Yeah, but it might have been like he retired his last three batters before, and then oh. twenty-seven in his perfect game or no hitter, and then whatever, you know, in the next one. Oh, I mean, still impressive, but I mean, I think what I'm most frustrated about is because when the White Sox non-tender Carlos Rodon, I was like, oh, like. What, like, a random guy for the Cubs to take a flyer on, be a back-end fifth starter or whatever, Sox uh-huh. for $3 million. So when he had the no-hitter, I was like, yeah, I know. Like, I thought of my stupid team having that guy, and you guys get him for cheap. I was like, oh, well, we'll take a chance on the kid again. And he throws a no-hitter. That should have been a perfect game. So I was happy for him, but I was also frustrated because I was like, that was technically ours. So if you want to give it back, that'd be great. We might have even seen the, the fruits of because like there's a lot of credit given to the White Sox pitching coach, Ethan Katz, because he's like totally redid Rodon's lower half, is what everybody everybody says. Like he they they even showed it in this first game back. They showed the you know the side by side how he used to step more towards third base and throw. Now he's going more towards the plate, or maybe more towards first base. I don't remember. But all the credit's given to him. And if he went anywhere, he might you might have been able to see it because he was working with Ethan Katz for that first part of the season before they non-tendered him. And then he explains it that there was like two months of like no communication. And then obviously when they when he signed back, they they started working together again. So they already fixed his lower half or they knew to how to fix his lower half. So he might've been just as good somewhere else taking outside. Ethan Katz already helped him figure that out before he was non-tendered. But then I guess at that point, it's like, well, if we fix this kid and he goes elsewhere and, you know, goes to an American league team and he starts beating us, like 
no, that's that's not going to happen. We're gonna, well, I'm not building this boy up so he can beat us. Let's build him up to keep him. Right. Well, it, you know, it would have been Rodon or Arietta. Which one would you rather have? Look, now or that's the, I mean that's the question, right? That's you, when you were thinking the White Sox non-tendered him. I we he we could take him on the Cubs. That was all before Arietta signed. Yeah. Well, that was before they were spending any kind of money. That was before the like Nolan Arenado to the Cardinals rumors were like finalized and the Cubs were like, well, crap, now we have to go spend money. I mean, Jake Arrieta is a Cy Young winner. He's also a World Series champion, but I'd probably take youth over experience in that case. I mean, if the team's going to end up going nowhere, I'd rather have somebody who can maybe hang around for a little bit longer. I'm like $3 million. I mean, yeah. I'd love for $3 million to be like chump change. It's like, oh, he only he's only getting $3 million this year. I mean, it kind of is. I know. Like baseball minimum is like 600000 Like, uh, yeah, I'll do that. Like, is it that now? Pretty sure. That'd be a little over a half a million for sport. God, that sounds fantastic. Now, the Cubs are in last in the NL Central, and the White Sox are in third in the AL Central. Um, I will tell you that the Kansas City Royals are leading the AL Central, so that will um, definitely change. That there's the, I, the Royals are a team on the rise, and I will, I will give them credit where credit is due. They've put together a good little team, but they are not top of the division yet. I would say they're probably two years away before they can really – yeah, making noise in the AL Central. Uh, well, the Tigers are at the bottom, which is probably where they will be. Yeah, they'll stay there. I don't know anybody on the Tigers. Um, if anybody is from Detroit listening, I'm sorry, but you knew what that was about. Just say Miguel Cabrera, and they'll be okay with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Miguel Cabrera is still playing baseball. Like I knew that, but sometimes it's just very like interesting to say out loud. Like yeah. Miguel Cabrera is playing baseball. Albert Pujols is still playing baseball. <laughs> And you think of other guys who, like, aren't playing. What'd you say? Naglio still on the Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> to betray the White Sox twice in a lifetime. <laughs> uh, the Cubs are in last in the NL Central. Uh, that will change, but how much further up they go, I have no idea. The Reds are in first, nine and six. Uh, I know Castellanos got his suspension um, not up or upheld. So he's serving a three-game suspension for basically flexing in Yadier Molina's face. And his brother was on Twitter just lighting up at MLB Twitter account. <laughs> I was like, you know, like the person who's like in charge of all these like decisions or whatever is probably not running the social media. But he was going after him. He was loving it. So, I mean, I was loving sport. I was liking every tweet and I was like, get him, Ryan. Ryan's his brother's name. But... <laughs> I was like, you're at the wrong people. Like when people tweet like at Cubs, like, God, you guys suck, whatever. And the poor intern just getting ding, ding. Like, what I do? <laughs> He's like, I'm not posting the final score. Like, have somebody else do it. Like, I go home after this. I have a wife. I have kids. I don't need this. 
but at MLB Twitter account was getting blown up. But uh, yeah, I mean, rightfully so. But don't, don't mess with the Molinas, man. Every, I think everybody in baseball knows that. Well, there's like a hundred of them. Yeah, that's what, it's a nice strength in numbers. You don't want to mess with those guys. Yeah, I mean, if you're thinking like Castellano brothers versus Molina brothers, uh, that's why Ryan is on Twitter and Benji and Yadier. <laughs> whatever the other one's names are, they're probably just, you know, in the weight room, like, Oh, okay. Like you come after Yachty. And it's like, no, we weren't. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, the, Marina, the Marinas have just one Twitter guy that just sees who they're supposed to fight. And then they tell them, cause they're probably not on social media. They're just, you know, they're probably like dog fighting somewhere. That seems like a Molina thing to do. <laughs> Yachty and Molina. 2,000 innings or something like that with the same pitcher. I think with Wainwright, maybe. Yeah. That's crazy. Interesting. Still hate you, Yadier. I uh, think his longevity at the position of catcher is very impressive. It, typically, when somebody's that important to your offense and that important to your team, they get moved to first base. That's just pretty – like Joe Maurer is a perfect example of that. Joe Maurer played first base at the end of his career. They knew he wasn't going to last – if he stayed catcher. And longevity of catchers is, I mean, some guys, well, first of all, to be in that like crouch for that long and then to do it for X amount of years, I was like, no, that's like unheard of now to have somebody yeah. whose entire career as a catcher. I'm pretty sure Craig Biggio was a catcher to start his career. I think he was. That sounds was, relatively yeah. Too much of an offensive force that, like, anytime you're a, that's why it's like when you're a good hitting catcher, you're just like a pretty good hitting like player in general because you're you can't, there's no such thing as a great hitting catcher because then you won't be a catcher very long, right? <laughs> there's only good hitting catchers because they would do their best to get you out of that position if they think you're, you can swing the bat at all. I'm pretty sure. Pedro Strope in college was a catcher. And then he grew up to be uh, semi-productive semi uh, relief pitcher. I say productive because sometimes he gets lit up and doesn't look like he belongs out there. But Yadier yeah. Molina is 38 years old, still playing, still catching. That's very impressive. Debuted in 2004. Yeah. Somebody to be always like a full-time catcher. I mean, I know he's obviously slowing down, but I don't think there's people that play their entire career at one position anymore, especially not catcher. Yeah. Besides, I mean, you could probably play an outfield position. <laughs> I don't know. Is, uh, is Eli going to do anything but left field or DH like that might, you know, like somebody like that, like, no, yeah. you're, if you're going to play the field, it's going to be the worst yeah. position left field i mean you have to be missing eloy well strictly on on offense but on defense i mean white Sox have played jake lamb out and left before and he um was i don't know the man i don't know how many kids he has he has kids he has a wife I'm sure she's nice that man is not equipped for this sport <laughs> i he he drives me a little crazy so i know like one of tony larissa's thing is he does play his whole bench like if you're that's part of it and i'm sure maybe that means the white Sox will be well rested 
<laughs> when it comes time for the playoffs. <laughs> for Patriot Day when they played 11 a <laughs> Watch Jake Lamb and his, I don't know, probably 100 batting average. <laughs> ah, gosh. Oh, sorry. Sorry. 111. I just looked it up. 111 batting average. Yeah. Put some respect on <laughs> Jake Lamb's name. First of all, we all know Tony LaRusso forgot it was an 11 a.m. start. He's probably at the bar. And then they're like, we need your lineup card. And he looked at his watch and was like, the game's in a, in like 12 hours. He's like, no, the game's in like 40 minutes. Oh, uh, Jake Lamb, uh, left field, third base, doesn't matter. I don't think it's that big a deal because when you're that old, don't you just always wake up with the sun anyways? <laughs> it doesn't matter what time it is. You get up when the sun gets up. Once you pass, what is it? Probably... You know, 60, 67, you just start waking up at the sun, I think. Tony LaRusso probably requested an 11 a.m. start because he's like, the you know, the 705 games, like, I'm in bed by four. So if we could bump this start time up, <laughs> that, that would be great. I'm trying to have breakfast at 5 a.m. and dinner at four. So if we could do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean. We're talking about stupid Yadier, and he thinks he's a first-round Hall of Famer. You know, he's probably a first-round Hall of Famer. Wilson Contreras, if people stop hitting him. Yeah, um, you heard it. I don't know. Wilson Contreras is slowly, not so slowly, becoming like a person I can't stand. But why? He's decent. He's just ha- – it's, it's, He's your AJ Pruszynski? Is that what you're telling me? He kind of. And – yeah, the, like, yeah, the, the same reasons, like, why do you hate AJ? Because he's just like, it's a, your, everybody's answer is just like, well, he's just like. Yeah, but n- nobody hates Wilson. That's because, that's because you're a Cubs fan. There's a reason he got hit, what, like nine times in 11 at-bats versus the Brewers? Like, there's a reason for like, it. No sense whatsoever. And then he went out and hit a home run, and then they're like, oh, well, we got to hit him again. It's like, for what? What what purpose does it serve? They don't have any hits. So if you keep hitting them, <laughs> like you're not doing us a favor. I'm not I'm not like saying he's not a decent player. I can admit that. But I'm allowed to say he's a decent player and I just don't like him very much. I think he's a top five player. And if Peter from episode six is listening, uh, future brother-in-law, he said that right now Wilson Contreras is a top five catcher. When they change from a like umpires to like robots or whatever for pitch tracking, Wilson Contreras is in the top three. I don't think I can disagree with that. I mean, Yasmani probably is up there too, though. For the reasons that we just kind of talked about, like he is a good hitting catcher. Yeah. And that's like a big deal. Like I'm, I, Yasmani Grandal for the Sox. I, I don't, I'm not like the, he doesn't, he doesn't do a whole lot for me is as bad as that is. I know he was like a big free agent signing for us. Yeah. But it's, it's I, I, it's, it was a bigger deal that like a big free agent chose the white Sox. That's what I liked about it. But him is like a, just a, a, Catcher, he's that you know he's a catcher that hits for power. That I don't know. I feel like he doesn't have great power numbers all the time. And I guess he's only been here for that one weird 
60 game season, but yeah, I, there's a lot of things I like about him, but I, I wouldn't say unless like totally on board with him. I got, I, I, I would put Wilson Contreras above Ismani Grandal, which is hard for me to say because I don't really care for him, but it's just, Ismani doesn't, he doesn't do a whole lot for me. No. He's, he's just, he's just solid. He's there and he does what he does. And I know that, but. Well, he also doesn't need to be like, you know, I don't want to say the face of the White Sox because I don't think Wilson Contreras is the face of the Cubs. I mean, there's obviously Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, et cetera, but I don't think Yasmani needs to be front and center because they have, you know, polarizing people like Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu and stuff like that. So you kind of forget sometimes that Rondell's even on the White Sox and then he gets a home run or whatever else. And you're like, oh, yeah, like that's why they brought him in or that's why he wanted to come here or, you know, right. I mean, he, he's, he's one of the top pitch framers in the league. So to your argument of once there's robot umpires, which I, I don't think there's as, should be as much value placed on the pitch framing as there currently is. I know it's important and I know it's like a, it's a, it's more, I feel like it's more of a luxury to have, but paying a guy cause he's a good pitch framer doesn't really make sense to me. But I know I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that specifically about Ismani Grandal because he's he's a he's a good catcher. I'm glad he's on the White Sox. But I think well, when, pitch framing is like that extra thing that right. have. you don't need to be successful and you know be a well, master the, pitch framing or whatever. But so the thing that about um, Wilson Contreras is that he, he's not a great pitch framer, but he's got a cannon for an arm. So defensively he still had probably as a plus catcher because nobody can run on him. Yeah. So that it's, what's the pitch framing or the, the cannon for an arm. It, yeah. it's, they played him a couple of times in left field. I forget why, but. Didn't he, didn't he wasn't he a, coming up as a third baseman or something too? Didn't he switch to catcher? Um, if he did, that's more impressive, I guess. I mean, he's not great at, pitch framing or anything like that so i mean by no means is he like a natural catcher in that sense but i mean if if, if you're able to switch positions to catcher i don't think that's an easy task no i would agree with that and I, I, he's definitely gotten better i i don't i haven't watched too many cubs games but is, is he still does he still do the thing where he goes out to the mound you know 100 times a game or is he's the reason that they put in place that you can only have a certain amount of mound visits um, I don't know if he's the reason why they like made the mound visits. Like he is one of the reasons for sure. Here's, no, I, I was going to say, yeah, maybe. But what I was going to say is for sure. Joe Madden existing as a person is why they made the, the, the three out or one inning minimum for a pitcher because yeah, three batter. Yeah. Joe Madden was a big uh, matchup guy and he would have you throw a couple pitches. And if he didn't like it, he'd, pull you for somebody else and they definitely enacted that rule to they say it's to speed up the game but it was strictly so they would see Joe Madden less on their TV you know <laughs> so what I always see the Benny's commercials I don't need you walking out to the mound 50 times either you know what I can't wait for how wait for it to happen because it's going to is Joe Madden bats Otani second in the order again and then it's forced to have some relief pitcher <laughs> in the league who's never taken a bat 
have a meaningful at bat at bat in like the eighth inning or not even in the ninth inning, just like, Oh, we're out of pick. We're out of pitchers. And Cause you can't give that spot back to the DH. Once you, once Otani is the pitcher hitting, it has to be a pitcher hitting, or obviously you can pinch hit, but right. there's so many people on the bench. Yeah. Or so if I, German yeah. Mercedes, you can DH and pitch in the same game. There you go. The Yerminator, man. He, he is the face of baseball right now, right? He's got to be. Um, I believe he's on the cover of MLB The Show 21. Yeah, for the next four years. <laughs> yeah. Well, for the next four years. I, I, I don't want to say that I think his, his light's going to fade uh, by the end of the season. I mean, he's doing pretty great. I thought he would have fizzled by now. But I can't I, imagine that he's still a prominent player by July. I think I saw everything I need to see to believe that Yermin Mercedes can be a legit major league hitter. The game versus the Cleveland Indians when it was Shane Bieber versus Lucas Giolito. Bieber had, was dealing, had his ace stuff, was just rolling through the Sox lineup. The best at bat of the game was Yermin Mercedes pinch hitting in the ninth inning like legitimately the best at bat the whole game. And it was just like, he wasn't overmatched. His first time ever seeing a Cy Young, probably the best pick, pitcher in the American League, wasn't overwhelmed. Had I don't remember, I don't even remember the result of the... Of the <laughs> at, at bat. I just remember it was the best at, at bat of the whole game. So I, that was like, it, it may, I don't know, maybe I drank the Kool-Aid just a little bit more because... <laughs> doesn't love your mean Mercedes right now, but it, it, yeah, you're right. It's like, it, he's not going to hit 416 or whatever that he was there in 460 for a while, but I'm assuming it's gone down. Yeah. He's not going to hit that for the whole season, but if he's, he's a, he's a, like a lifetime 300 batter in the minor leagues and he's been in the minor leagues for like 50 years. Yeah. There's something to that. I mean, even if he quote unquote averages out and he starts hitting 260. I mean, 260 by no means is, you know, terrible. I mean, with power numbers, I mean, he's leading the White Sox in home runs. Right. Like, that's, yeah, it'll take that. That's Anthony Rizzo. Wow. <laughs> uh, is it hashtag extend Rizzo or is it hashtag extend Mercedes? Right. It's like, right, a 270 batting average with 30 plus home runs. Yeah. That's Rizzo. You take it all day. Uh, one of them is, uh, you know, significantly better than the other. But well, I think I'm just going to look at a few back of the baseball card stats, and I'll make my determination from that. I mean, whose nickname is Tony Two Chains? I don't know if that's Yerman the Vermin. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Yerminator, not <laughs> maybe in your circle, but uh. In my circle, we call him Vermin Mercedes. Which is also probably not a bad nickname. We also have the same circle. so. And I made that up. I just like calling him Vermin. I don't, I don't even know if I'd be able to tell you how tall he is, how big he is. I just think like like when people call like big guys like tiny. Like, I don't know. Does Yerman look like a Vermin? You don't even know what he looks like? He's the face to baseball. How could you not? Oh, you're thinking of Anthony Rizzo. 
So at two home runs yesterday, April. Put the stats for you. 5'11", 245. And I would say that's a generous 245. <laughs> that's a 245 was on the ID years ago and it was never he's, updated. He's a, I mean, I'm not saying he's not like a fat flabby guy, but he's, he's a, he's a stocky dude. Like he, he looks like he's built more like an offensive guard than he is. A, a so if he was a, a car, he'd be more of a like Volkswagen and not a Mercedes, like a Kia Santa Fe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I could put him in, in car terms other than Mercedes. He's a nice G-Wagon. Is that... <laughs> Station wagon with the brown, like, not wood, but, like, it's painted on wood. The, yeah, paneled station wagon? Yeah. Maybe because he's a 28-year-old rookie, he kind of comes off like he's an old station wagon, but <laughs> he's got a lot of tread left like, on those tires. Like, boys, I was in your shoes last week. It's like, I'm 18. How old are you? It's like, you know what? We don't need to talk about this. It's like, one day you'll make your shot, kid. I waited 15 years for mine. But hey, I mean, most guys that are, you know, sit in the minor leagues for X amount of years, they never, never, you know, I don't want to say amount to anything because that's harsh. But I mean, they never reach that level where, you know, they make the big leagues and they can just make a run at it. I mean, if at 28, like this is his time to shine. I mean, he's doing the perfect time. The White Sox need somebody in the lineup who can, you know, hit as effectively as Eloy did. So I mean, if he answers the vermin, I don't know. There are there are worse players to throw out there. Because right now, it's obviously it's so so early. But if he could replace the Eloy production, that's like all you could ask for. Because now he's not going to. I don't think it's hard to say. I I had Eli down for 40 home runs this year, like without question. Yeah. Is he going to get there? No. He can he get the 30? The the difference being, Tony Larusa has to play him every day now. He has to play him every day. He can't be doing the thing where he puts Jay Clam, <laughs> Benny Mendick, and uh, Lori Garcia. He can't be doing that. He's got to play every day. You know, you know, I don't know, five out of seven at least. Yeah. Because he's proven. I mean, he's, he's proven it. His 400 batting average is – that's like – that's what it is. I mean, what it, he probably has over 50 at-bats by now. Yeah. I know it's not a whole lot, but I don't I mean, know. They've played, what, 15 – no. 17 games so i mean if he's played in two-thirds of that yeah he's has to have at least 30 hits i mean if we're thinking 50 at bats or oh no i guess not 30 that math is wrong 20 yeah but i mean still right i mean he's gotta have the most hits on the white Sox. i mean he played all the games i mean i you know what let me just lift this up <laughs> the vermin yeah, glad that's catching on. So he's had 53 at-bats, 22 hits. Okay, I mean, still. Right. When Tim Anderson was hurt, they needed, you know, production in the lineup. And Jose's not lighting the world on fire this year, but 
I mean, I think Jose Abreu is batting close to 200, a little above 200, 212. 200 on the money. Oh, man. Am I a genius or what? He'll start picking it up soon. Yeah, I I mean, like like those numbers aren't going to be, you know, I can't imagine they, they hold up for the rest of the season. Right. The the one that kind of worries me a little bit is Mankata is also batting about 200. Yeah. It is 200. <laughs> They're both batting 200. <laughs> They're just that trying to say really more nervous, and I, I don't know why. It, I think he just doesn't – He sometimes he looks like he's coming out of his like little slump, and then other times he, he doesn't look great. But what I did see is they were looking up uh, – I mean, they were showing on the one of the games the – contact percentage and obviously Nick Madrigal is like number one in the league like I think he's missed only twice this year like on any pitch yeah and uh Mankata was actually decently high which surprised me because I just felt like he's got a lot of swing more a lot more swing and miss this year than previous years and not counting last year you know last year he had the hard year with COVID but um I'm hoping he comes out of that because I am it, it worries me just a little bit and we got him batting third, which was the move. The move was to move Yoan to third and Jose to fourth. They flip-flopped in the order, which yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have an issue with. I know some people did. I didn't have an issue with it because something had – you had to change something. Like something had to change. And in, in theory, this one, Mankato will have a little bit more protection with Abreu. I don't know. It it seemed like it seems like it doesn't seem like it's not going to work. Um, if I remember right, I think um, uh, Robert hit third today. Perhaps because because Jake Lamb was playing third. Day. <laughs> I mean, I don't want it to sound like sour grapes. I just don't know if Moncada will ever be one of those guys that like turns it on and stays on. I mean, in the little, like, White Sox games that I've, like, you know, stumbled upon or watched or whatever, it always seems like he's, like you said, he's on the verge of, like, finally pushing through. And then he goes into, like, his second slump or, you know, whatever, and he has a breakout game. And then it's like, all right, I think we're finally, you know, where we should be. And then he'll slump for more games. And To defend that, his breakout year was 2019, where his batting average was – 315 on base 367 slugging 548 right you got it right now that was his breakout year like that was the one that was supposed to turn it around and then his 2020 was his covid year where he like wasn't the same physically the whole year because he had covid early on so this year was supposed to be the year that he kind of gets back into form. And it's early. I'm not putting too much stock. It just does. It, it gets a little alarming because we did watch 60 game of him struggling last year. So it's just, it's, it's, it's got my antennas up. I, I should say like, I, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on that it's still early. I'm not ready to make anything drastic happen. But the way that Robert's swinging the bat, I wouldn't mind him being moved up in the order and Moncada possibly going down. But the issue with that is then he loses his protection. It's the same argument. You want Robert up, 
because you want him to have protection so he can even get better pitch, better pitches. And then you want the same thing for Mankata. So it's it's hard to say what I I don't know what I want to happen. And I'm sure it'll work itself out, but we'll we'll kind of see. But it does, it is a little bit alarming. Or you'll get like the like the Chris Bryant aspect where he does good 2015 rookie of the year, 2016, you know, world series champion, whatever. And then slumps in 17, 18, 19, 20. And then now like in his last contract year, all of a sudden he's like turning it on again, which is going to force the Cubs to probably make a a decision that they shouldn't. Cause I already assumed that Chris Bryant was out of the picture. Couldn't afford him. Couldn't afford, you know, all these other guys are going to be free agents, Rizzo, Bryant, you know, Baez, like, and now he's probably going to, you know, now it looks like he's going to force their hand. And it's like, I love Chris Bryant. I could also talk crap about Chris Bryant because of the lack of production that has happened in the last three, four years. Right. There's, there's some inconsistencies there that you just can't ignore. Right. But he did have the whole shoulder thing. So there, there was some injury part of it. Right. But is it, the easy answer is like, oh, he was recovering from this the whole time. But that doesn't feel accurate. No. I mean, I fought it for so long to be like, well, what are the odds that these guys are all slumping at the exact same time again? And now it's like, I'm starting to think like, this is just who they are, Mm -hmm. which is extremely frustrating because that's what I said about Chris Bryant. I was like, I guess like, you know, the peak is over and now this is kind of just who he is. And all of a sudden he's turning it on again this year. And it's like, okay, so you had it. And now it's almost like too late. So it's like frustrating. I already had given up on him, like being a cub next year or whatever. I thought he'd probably be gone already. And now he's here and now he's doing good. And now they're going to have to make a decision. I thought, was I don't know. is it at least a little liberating realizing like, nope, this is just who they are. Is it like, is it like easier to be a Cubs fan and watch knowing this now than it was when you're like, no, no, no. They're all just slumping for the last three years all together at the same time. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of me like tricking myself into thinking like, well, I mean, what are the odds? Like, what are the odds of this? What are the odds? You know, they all strike out on the same day. And it's like, that can't possibly happen tomorrow. So, I mean, it's a little bit of like the weight off your shoulders to be like, you know what? I'm, there's no more high expectations. It's just, they're going to go out there and they're either going to do what they're supposed to do or they're not. I mean, they showed the ESPN graphic yesterday and I was basically just reading it because I absolutely was not going to listen to A-Rod talk (laughs) on, on ESPN not the absolute worst he is the worst and he's an a-rod with his heart broken because jennifer lopez broke up with him so i i have no idea what he sounded like yesterday i assume that he was probably crying the entire time and i know at one point he said that anthony rizzo would look good as a yankee and i went yeah no now we're done like you've lost me but now you've double lost me my issue is alex Rodriguez played baseball for like 20 years correct and- I feel like I know more about baseball than he does. <laughs> That's my main issue. Is like, I'm pretty sure I know more than he does. The things he said. This he, guy has to lay off the slider. And I was like, this pitcher has not thrown a slider in the last seven pitches. <laughs> and he like, 
I I feel like he does zero research about the teams. He yeah. like, he just assumes that he's played baseball, so he can talk about baseball. And I don't have any issue with A-Rod, the personality. I didn't mind when it was A-Rod, Frank Thomas, and Pete Rose doing, like, the, the playoff stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the post-game, pre-game analyzing stuff. I didn't mind him in that role. But whoever decided to let him call a baseball game, sweet nectar, this needs to be changed. Yeah. That's what we call the A-Rod factor, which was we know what we're getting. You're getting a rod on TV. You're getting a rod on ESPN night game. That's it. That's all they're selling you on. Is that you get to see a rod, and that's that's it. I think that's how a rod applied for the job. Probably he's like uh, Alex Rodriguez applying for their like soul. Alex Rodriguez wants this job. Why should we hire you? Because millions of people get to see a rod. Yeah. Have you heard the nickname a rod before? What's the the Edwards from Minnesota technically hasn't heard of him? Did you hear that quote? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I did hear that. But he's like, I'm sure Alex Rodriguez is a nice guy. I've never heard of him. Are you a fan? And he's like, what? A fan? Why why would I be? He's like, A-Rod? Like, play baseball? He's like, oh, no. (laughs) I don't know about baseball. Alex Rodriguez, the baseball player, who was a, a relatively good baseball player, terrible analyst he has was it part ownership or whatever it is for the minnesota timberwolves who right. anthony edwards is a rookie plays for minnesota they said how do you feel about a rod like you know being your new owner or whatever he's like who <laughs> it's like i feel like a rod i mean i don't know i, I no, he, A-Rod should he, be one of those guys that like you just even if you don't watch baseball you know who a rod is right like you could i could ask my mom who Alex Rodriguez is, somebody who doesn't watch sports at all. Right. So a Super Bowl party every once in a while. Yeah. Got it. But also helping A-Rod's case was Alex Rodriguez to Jennifer Lopez. Maybe in a, a couple of years ago, if you asked random people who's A-Rod, there, there'd be more of a definitive, like, oh, okay, you watch sports, you don't watch sports. Because he was attached to Jennifer Lopez, like, oh, you mean the guy who was who blew it with Jennifer Lopez? <laughs> <laughs> For the record, Jennifer Lopez has been collecting engagement rings and wedding rings like Infinity Stones. <laughs> but good for her because she's like 50 years old and I guess just wants to know. She probably heard A-Rod on ESPN and was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, we're not doing this. How much? No, I, I actually. How much do you think it was like, hey, babe, we have to move to Minneapolis? <laughs> like, I'm sure that had to happen. No. That had to have, it would be different. Like, hey, I bought the Mets. We're going to live in New York. Yeah. No, we have, we're going to go live in, maybe we can find a nice place in St. Paul. We could put down yeah. some roots. Does Jayla have stock in the Miami Heat? I have no idea. I know. I think she has like part ownership or some type of like money involved in the Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins. So maybe that also played a factor. If she's got money in the Miami Heat, she's like, oh no. I can't have you like ownership of the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, I'm also pretty positive that he like cheated on her, but we can go with our heat Timberwolf rivalry, which is just the hottest in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. Jose Canseco was claiming before his fight with 
the intern from Barstool. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, he's, he's cheating on her. And then there were reports that he was cheating on her. So, I don't know. Just A-Rod doing, doing A-Rod things. You're the tabloids guy. I'll, uh, I'll listen to you. Whatever you said is happening, I'll believe it. <laughs> I well, do think that... I believe not- no sane man would ever or would ever or should ever cheat on Jennifer Lopez. But if he did, he's a dumb donkey who works for ESPN. And they just they just drag him out. They go, look, look, everybody, it's A-Rod. And then they just push him back in the closet and wait for Sunday Night Baseball again. Do you think Matt Baskerjian is like, this guy's an idiot? Do you think he thinks that? Or do you think he's like... Absolutely. I think the novelty of A-Rod has probably worn off on him by now. I was like, that excursion sitting next to Ara was probably like super cool, and then he heard him talk, and they put, like gave the reins to him. But okay, you're gonna call this game with me. It's like, oh, okay. And then that excursion was probably like, oh, this man is like real dumb, like not like dumb about baseball, like might just be genuinely dumb. And do you know what the issue is? This is like a like proof of how far baseball has fallen we as fans would never would did not let jason witten get any any sniff of the booth in monday night football after one year we're just like nope or maybe it was it was it two years i don't remember yeah but jason witten picked he retired from the sport where he got hit in the head and hit in the body went into the booth was garbage everybody went after him and he's like you know what i'd rather get hit for a living again because y'all are are mean on the internet (laughs) and i'd rather not hear any of this i'd rather have 16 days of work and call it a day he was trying to it's the only way he could save face this is like you know i missed it too much i gotta go back and then shave his bosley restore hair hair (laughs) transplants so he could look tough again didn't he like rejoin the league and played for Oakland? Oakland, yeah. Yikes. But that's like the difference. Like A Rod's calling games. If he does it for like, I don't know, two years, that means nobody's listening because everybody hates him. I can't. I I you know what? I shouldn't say that. I bet you he calls a pretty decent Yankees game. I bet you when Yankees he's probably invested in the in the Yankees. A hundred percent. That's the difference. He like he, he can actually talk Yankees. Nobody else like a lot of these these like color analysts get like little nuggets of uh, like information that I can learn something from. I literally get dumber when I'm listening to a Rod. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I think well that, and I also think that whoever at ESPN set him up to fail because if he's calling a Yankee game, he can sprinkle in like his knowledge of playing for the Yankees or the ballpark or whatever. You put him in a game where the Yankees are not involved in Sunday night baseball. You have him call two teams that again are not the Yankees, like his nuggets of knowledge that are New York Yankees based mean absolutely nothing. That's why he's like, Oh, Anthony Rizzo like would look good in Yankees pinstripes and Veskersen's like elaborate. And he's like, no, uh, next. <laughs> See, that's the, I, he looks like he says things like, like, like Tim Anderson will strike out on a breaking ball. And I'd be like, you know, that's how you got to pitch to this guy. 
he's, he struggles with the breaking ball. And it's like, you're, you're basing that off one at bat because Tim Anderson is one of the best breaking ball hitters in the major league and he missed one. And that's, it's like, he does those kind of things where he just like makes the assumption based on the first, what he's looking at. And it's like, this is, this is the one-off. This isn't the, the standard. It just drives me absolutely crazy. I'm fired up. I haven't even listened to an A. <laughs> what, what we played the Angels like the second game of the season. Yeah. Which also begs the question: Does A. Rod not watch baseball? Oh, a hundred percent not. Like even if he's like like even if he's just watching the Yankees, fine. Like I primarily only watch the Cubs. That makes sense to me. But like I also have knowledge about baseball outside of the Cubs. Like. I could talk to you about the White Sox because I, you know, have relative knowledge of, you know, other players on other teams. And that's also playing fantasy sports and whatever else. I'm sure that helps a lot. But I mean, if you played the sport for 20 years, you're telling me all of a sudden you just like shut that part of yourself off and you're like, I played the sport. I don't need to watch the sport. I don't need to talk about the sport. Like, at, at which point do you just like stop watching the sport that you played for 20 years? I would say the only games he watches is he, he like pulls up old highlight tapes. <laughs> he <laughs> watches his own highlights. I guarantee that. Like the only Yankees games he's ever seen are the ones that he's in. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I know we're like relatively joking, but I think we're forming a lot of conclusions that make absolute sense. And has there been a guy who's made like a bigger comeback than A-Rod? as far as like A-Rod as like the personality. Yeah. Like he was hated as a player. He's, you know, he admitted to doing steroids. He everyone was just out on A-Rod and then he just like, yeah, made a comeback. he made a comeback through being an analyst, but and I, I really didn't mind him as an analyst in the beginning. I, re, I thought he was good. It no. just about him calling a game. I just, Oh my God, it drives me crazy. Well, they also have how many people like, like analyzing like four so you can like i can like turn to you and be like okay like a rod what do you think about this and then he can give his opinion and then they go to somebody else i think a rod is getting too much airtime, which no one's probably ever said to a rod but i think somebody should because if i don't know if he has a twitter account because if he does it's deleted blocked whatever by now there's no way that man has a twitter account that is still active, that people have not gone after. The, the poor kid over at the MLB Twitter account <laughs> has to sit there and get beat up. Meanwhile, A-Rod says dumb stuff on TV and then just walks away from him and goes, see you guys next week. Yeah, that was gold, right? It's like, uh, no. Like, no, that was terrible. But I'm pretty sure every Sunday night baseball game, A-Rod says, blank, blank, would look good in a Yankees jersey. You <laughs> <laughs> have to shave his face, though. Okay, so the world has kind of made a slow turn on Joe Buck back to Joe Buck being tolerable. He used to be hated. Now people are like, now nobody's out on Joe Buck anymore. Do you think it will turn, especially baseball fans, right? He loves Clayton Clayton Kershaw. He loves Aaron Rodgers. Like those, you know, that's people dislike that about him is because he talks about Clayton Kershaw when it's the Tampa Bay Rays versus the Boston Red Sox, like no, Clay, no. All right, so you asking me from experience? 
because, no, because that, yes, I, 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 series when it was Cubs Indians and he talked about, you know, I wonder how Clayton Kershaw would do in this game. He's like, buddy, he lost like last week. Like, right, it's it, time it, to stop it, talking about Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, he would say, like, say things like, it's crazy that the Cubs made it past. <laughs> it's like they did it twice and they lit them up both games. I'm pretty right. sure. But I think that, I think that it's, it's, it's kind of come full circle on Joe Buck where people are like, ah, oh, he's, he's pretty good. Like it, it's not, and especially because I think he's like let himself be known that he, uh, he can like take a joke and can be in on the joke and he knows people yeah. hate him. Makes it, you know, self-deprecation makes you more likable no matter which version it comes in. I think that's probably when it flips. Like when people realize that he's like not taking himself as seriously as they thought he was. Right. It's like, oh, like I'm, I'm laughing with you guys. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I guess that's cool. When it was just people going after him. And then he was like, no, like, you know, my, my job is to be up here. And I obviously know more than you guys and whatever. And it's like, all right, slow down. Did that ever happen? No, but what I'm saying, I'm saying (laughs) did that, like people would have just doubled down. I would say people are mad at him like he did do that, though, for a while. Yeah. But, yeah, so I, was, my, I guess my, my question is, is, like, is, they, is A-Rod going to replace him as, like, the baseball announcer everybody hates? Um, I mean, I think they should. I mean, again, I have nothing against A-Rod, but him on ESPN in whatever capacity it has not been good. They need to hide him somewhere or put him back analyzing where he can be in a three, four person booth or set or whatever. And he can give his input and then back away or he can add tidbits to somebody else saying something, but him like being like, Oh, like three, two pitch or whatever. Like I don't want to hear a rod analyze the game as it's going on pregame after game. No problem. Give him time to collect his thoughts. Correct. Maybe, yeah. maybe see Tim Anderson miss on four consecutive breaking balls before you say he can't hit them. You know, so, so things like that. Yeah. As I said, they need the ESPN needs to hide Alex Rodriguez, hide him from himself, put him in a capacity where he's not allowed to just constantly keep saying dumb things before people catch on and are like, "I think this man is an idiot." Like, when you put this episode of this podcast on Twitter and Instagram, can you make sure you tag? j-lo and and (laughs) just hashtag we stand with you (laughs) (laughs) i i hope in you know a month week whatever that reports come out that j-lo could not stand (laughs) listening to a-rod on espn and it's like yeah uh trivial pursuits the (laughs) podcast from chicago (laughs) trivial pursuits dude you don't even know the name of your own podcast oh man I'm not even drinking, folks. <laughs> That's a miss. That trivial a... arguments. <laughs> J-Lo knows what Trivial Pursuit is. Though. That I'm fairly certain of. <laughs> You're saying, yeah. You wanted to make sure she understood the reference. Correct. I, I, I don't want to lose her as a fan. I, too, have stock in the Miami Heat basketball team. <laughs> Minnesota was a dumb choice, J-Lo. I stand with you. <laughs> I hope she listens. That was a good little A-Rod tangent. I liked it. I think I will I- tell you that you brought up before in our like pre-podcast meetings, like, can we just shit on A-Rod today? <laughs> Be like, oh, give it time. I did bring up this one for, for the people for the behind the curtain look. We did not talk about doing that last, doing that 
time. That was last time when I was, this is how heated I am. It was, <laughs> it's like, I hate listening to A-Rod. And we just wanted to say in, in print and word and, you know, whatever, that we stand with J-Lo, if that wasn't clear. Yes. And she can, you know, reach out to me. <laughs> it might be at the real map brooch. I might not be. <laughs> we still haven't sorted that out. If I look on Twitter tomorrow and JLo has tweeted at the Trivial Pursuit Instagram account, <laughs> I appreciate all the kind words. Thank you. I, I stand with Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> Just know, everybody listening, that that is supposed to be uh, for us. So, and if it isn't, then, you know, that's my bad because I screwed that up. But a part of me kind of hopes that she reached out to Trivial Pursuit and was like, Thank you for all your kind words. Love you guys. Um, I'll buy stock in the Chicago Bulls. This whole buy stock thing, we got to fix this. <laughs> you don't buy stock in teams, man. If you're rich, maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> Ship stakes. Oh, like what kind of stakes? Like, oh, I was going to say like filet mignon, like eight ounce porter. Is that correct? Uh, are those words that make sense in a sentence? Yeah, that wasn't terrible. Nice. Eight ounce porter is a real thing. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> I mean, typically it's a, like a 16 ounce porter house, but that's okay. Wow. You gave it and you took it right back. That was brutal. You you stepped up on your soapbox like way too fast. So I had to <laughs> kick it out from under you. When JLo reaches out, I'm not going to tell her that I know you. So there's that. Well, joke's on you. She knows that at the real map coach, <laughs> Twitter or Instagram will be waiting. So, wow. Let's just move on to trivia before I absolutely lose my cool. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not heated at all. But for everybody listening, I'm infuriated. With White Sox trivia, um, I don't know if you, I know you don't watch the games because you're in California. <laughs> But the White Sox are a team based in Chicago, Illinois, like away from civilization. Like they hide them. Soon to be moved to Portland. Remember that article? Portland or Nashville? I wouldn't mind it. I know you you might, but of course I would. We're the only good baseball team in Chicago. Uh, no. Not today. Ha! Boom! Roasted. And the only reason why the Cubs didn't lose today. Because they didn't play, baby. The only one. Can't lose on days you don't play. Hell yeah. There's the, a Mark Trespin quote. Like, the best thing we got going for us is it's the bye week. <laughs> what a freaking joke. And we don't objectify people on this podcast, but his daughters were also um, very cute. So. Trespin? The lizard himself? <laughs> cute offspring? You don't know what his daughters look like? Right. But if they want to reach out after <laughs> possibly. <laughs> so it's JLo and then whatever Mark Trespin's daughter's names are. <laughs> Big fans of the podcast. Not the podcast Trivial Pursuits, which is a different podcast. <laughs> to make that abundantly clear. I'm sure that one's not as good as this. Well, obviously. But they probably know the name of the podcast. <laughs> Episode seven? Episode seven, baby. Still working the kinks out. 
All right, hit me with some of this trivia. Who leads the Chicago White Sox in home runs? Your mean Mercedes. <laughs> the Yerminator. Berman Station Wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Who leads the team in RBIs? Um, the relative scrub, I know that. But that could be anybody from the team. Boom, roasted. I would I I wanna say I wanna say your Mercedes again, <laughs> but I also kind of think Adam Eaton has a decent amount of RBIs, but I'm gonna play the numbers and say your main Mercedes. I believe Station Wagon has 13 RBIs. Adam Eaton has 14. Adam Eaton leads the team in RBIs. Really? I know. I bet you Adam Eaton, who listens to this podcast, just found out as well. <laughs> no shit. Me? All right. How cool. Which batter leads the team in strikeouts? With 25 strikeouts. Hmm. My instinct is to say Moncada has a lot. But Jose Abreu also has been striking out a lot. And I feel like this question is a little bit one that's supposed to trip me up because Abreu should not be striking out this much. I don't know. I'm going to go Jose Abreu. And I'm going to hate myself if it's wrong because that means I'm accusing. <laughs> so Jose Abreu, who famously swam here, um, does in fact lead the team in strikeouts <laughs> with 25 whole strikeouts. That felt insensitive. I'm going to apologize to all of our Cuban listeners. <laughs> he said he swam here. Those are his exact words in whatever article. But I digress. So, who are the top three in batting average for the White Sox? Your me, Mercedes. Correct, with 400. Are we doing like a certain number of at-bats? Um, so yeah, I think it was, they had like a minimum of like two or three at-bats like per game. So that's how like the, like if somebody batted once and had a thousand, that obviously wouldn't count. It's like, like Danny Mendick, who's like having a decent hitting year, probably doesn't have enough at-bats. Correct. Okay. Because I think his average is pretty high actually. All right, so your mean Mercedes. At 400. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, probably Nick Madrigal. He's probably close to 300. Nick Madrigal at exactly 300, as far as I know. And um, not Eloy Jimenez. Is it? Oh, this Tim Anderson. I mean, hit, hit by a wall, then. He's one for one. Does Tim Anderson have enough at bats? He does not. Okay. Then let me say Luis Robert. Luis Robert, batting 284. Correct. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. 
I was, that one was kind of iffy because I knew I didn't I knew he wasn't super close to 300, but he's he's been hot for the last few games. So Vermin, Dodge Caravan, Nick Madrigal, Louise Robert. I'm getting I'm doing all right. So the White Sox notoriously play in the American League. Name three National League opponents they play this season, not name the Cubs. I have to name their future schedule. <laughs> That's what you're asking me to do? You have to name three National League opponents that they play this season, not name the Cubs. It all falls in a pattern, man. Once you get one team, you should be able to get the others. Just saying. I only know when they show like the weeks in advance. <laughs> <laughs> They're saying. Um, California living. Wow. I only pay attention to the games that come up. Let's say they're going to play the Atlanta Braves this year. No. Take a shot. (laughs) The the fact that I said that they don't play the Braves should give you a fairly big hint. They're playing the Colorado Rockies this year. No. They're playing the Milwaukee Brewers this year. They are playing the Milwaukee Brewers. I have to find out if they're playing them in um, they're playing them in Milwaukee. That might not be bad to go to. But also if they're playing in them on the south side, that wouldn't be bad to go to. Um yes, it is. Is maybe probably Wisconsin's at least at fifty percent capacity by now. Correct. Not at not Miller Park. I don't even know what the new name is, but it's not Miller Park anymore. No. Yeah. Well, that's another stupid thing. So Milwaukee, which has you know all the Miller breweries and stuff, like lost the naming rights, which tells me that Miller probably pulled out. So how does Miller lose the naming rights to a ballpark? Miller's fairly big. I mean, the outbid, right? You have to get outbid. Yeah. So who the hell outbid Miller? I mean, the White Sox named their park guaranteed rate field. It's all about money. With the logo, that's a down arrow. That's the that's the. Logo. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but nobody calls it guaranteed rate. The at the very least, they still call it the sell. <laughs> I feel like I call it Sox Park more than I call it anything. Was it ever Sox Park? Or is that just like a running joke? Like, I'm not calling it guaranteed rate field. I don't think, I, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't know if it's, I doubt it was ever called Sox Park, but I, I oh, that's always been like the low key non, like if you didn't want to call it the cell. Yeah. So I will tell you, this is oh, how as much. Miller lost out. American Family Field. There you go. Not even family insurance. Yeah, I assumed as much. That's an interesting one. So the stadium was previously named Miller Park through a $40 million naming rights deal with Miller Brewing Company. The contract expired at the end of 2020. So there you go. I I have a hard time here in San Francisco calling 
the old Giants Stadium, AT&T. It's now Oracle. Yeah. And I, 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 I still struggle to call it that. The or, Oracle was always where the the Warriors played in Oakland. That's a, you know Oracle Arena. Yeah. I don't even know. Is I don't even know if it's Oracle Field or Oracle Park. I think it's Oracle Park. Um, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not. I'm not uh, I. It's hard for me to get up, get behind that one too. So if the White Sox are playing the Brewers. That means that they're also playing. Happening three, also the Cardinals and the Reds. Correct, and the Pittsburgh Pirates as well. Well, I don't really count the minor league teams, so. Um, I count them when they beat us. <laughs> More like spring training games that ended up counting. <laughs> what is the White Sox slogan this season? Change the game. Correct. I assume that they did that right after they hired Tony Larusa, so he remembered that he couldn't, you know, yell at players to toss bats and stuff. Also, the slogan last year, so <sighs> nobody would know that. Nobody watches your. Well, if you're a fan of Tim Anderson, if you're a fan of Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson helped come up with that slogan, so if that makes more sense for you. Oh, so it was because of the bat flipping. A hundred percent. So I was right, but I had the wrong person. Correct. The wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos Rodon. I don't know if you know that name. Uh, you're pronouncing that wrong. Rodon. Redundant. <laughs> yes, Carlos Rodon. Carlos threw a no-hitter on April 14th. What number no-hitter was it in White Sox history? Number 20. Number 20. Wow. Leaching to be number 21 tomorrow. Or tomorrow meaning April 20th for those listening from the future. It's now what happened because I jinxed it. So Carlos, don't don't listen to this podcast until after the right. game. If you were listening to both of the White Sox announcers, radio and TV, they were talking perfect game the whole time. Like it was there was not even a sliver of we can jam. Yeah. How did you feel about that? I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I don't think I'm a superstitious guy, but I don't think saying it has anything to do with it. I think if the players were like talking about it to him, yeah. like, I say it, I, I, my superstition lies more in like if I was a player on the team and I was saying to Rodon, dude, you got a perfect game. I think that would be different because the, uh, that feels like it could actually have some effect. You know, it could create more nerves or, you know, whatever. Yeah. You're not one of those baseball purists. That's like, as soon as somebody says it out loud, like it all falls apart. No. I mean, I agree. If, like if, if, who was the catcher for that one? Was it Nick Collins? Zach Collins. Zach Collins, his brother. Um, if he would have walked up to Collins and be like, dude, you know, you have no hits. Like that would have been a giant. No, no. <laughs> Pun intended. A uh, uh, giant perfect. No, no. <laughs> that would have ruined it too. So if Carlos was the 20th, tell me the last no-hitter and last perfect game in White Sox history. Uh, it was last no-hitter was Lucas Giolito. Against a minor league team. So that doesn't count. Those are your words. Same minor league team beat you. 
Yeah, but I already said that. <laughs> <laughs> it can't hurt me if I say it. Feels like it hurt a little. And the last perfect game was thrown by Philip Umber. Against the Seattle Mariners. And then do you know what he did shortly after that? He stunk. That was his last. It was like his last win as a professional. It was a perfect uh, Yeah, I, I think so. I almost said last recorded out, but that there's no chance that's true. <laughs> his last recorded out was the 27th hitter in a perfect game. I That's not true, but it's like my brain went there. That's how bad he was. A way to go out there. Like throw a perfect game and be like, I quit baseball. <laughs> I will never get higher than I am now. I would like to uh, step away. So famously, the White Sox are a major league baseball team. I'm just finding out just as you are. Don't joke about that. You know, I live in California and go to a school that the kids, <laughs> what are the White Sox? And it literally kills me. And then I have to give them a whole lesson. Maybe win a World Series this millennium. I don't know. Whatever. In fairness, they weren't alive last time we won, most of my students. So I think maybe that's, you know what? I feel better about that. I needed that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. 2005, I think. I think that was the year of a baseball strike. So it didn't happen. No, that was the 94 season when the White Sox had a really good chance to win the World Series as well. Uh, no, I remember 1994 and 1995 was when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire brought baseball back from the brink of extinction. That was the after Sammy Sosa famously Chicago Cup. Was that not also after the strike yeah. shortened? It was. When Thomas won his back-to-back American League MVPs. Um, did you say Sammy Sosa hopping? Is that what you said? No. Sammy Sosa hitting a home run hopping. <laughs> you didn't say any of those words? I did not. Famously, the White Sox are a major league baseball team, not according to your students. Boom, roasted. Can you name the White Sox minor league affiliates? Um... I don't know if I can do all the mascots. Canapolis. Way to throw out the random one out first. Weird flex. I'm trying to go up. Yeah. Really, the Canapolis. Let me come back to the mascot. And then it's the Charlotte, oh, Charlotte Knights. That's the AAA. And then the right. Birmingham Barons. The Red Barons, yeah. The Canapolis. Oh, the mascot. I mean, I get the credit. I don't care. I get the credit for saying Canapolis, right? <laughs> Correct. Do you want me to tell you it? Tell me where Canapolis is. Uh, that's obviously uh, next to Annapolis, which is where um, the military is. So, is that the Navy? What? Annapolis. Which branch of the military is it? Isn't that the, that's like the capital of some state. I don't know. No, there's a military, famous military base. Annapolis, not Canapolis, which God, God only knows where that is. North Carolina? 
Annapolis. Yeah. I just looked it up. You just looked it up? Yeah. It's 55 degrees there currently. Beautiful. Doesn't do look or doesn't look good in photos. <laughs> give me give me a hint of the the mascot. Give me like a, a letter. Your hint is you will never get it. <laughs> I mean I've had it's to have not heard an animal and it's not anything. But I had to have heard it. You know, it's gotta like trigger something. I need a letter to go off. Uh C B. C B. Yeah. With two words. Annapolis Military School, United States Naval Academy. Yeah. Well. C B. You said not a not a not an animal or anything. Not a California bear, if that's what you're gonna say. Give <laughs> the cow bears, the golden bears, baby. The, this I think it was recently changed in fairness to me. Do I tell you? You know I hate I know I, I like to guess, but it doesn't make good for podcasts just to sit in silence while I <laughs> I'm gonna say give me the second letter of the first word. C A. It's also the second letter of the second word. C A B A. The cat bats. Yes. <laughs> oh, I just thought of it. I remember hearing this now. What is it? The cannonballers. Cannonballers. Cannabis cannonballers. I knew it would come to me. I knew it would come to me. And <laughs> finally, for no t shirt, because you already have one. They're not printed yet, but <laughs> you will eventually have one. <laughs> what is the Chicago White Sox mascot? The Chicago, the White Sox. Yeah, but what is their mascot's name? Southpaw. And then follow-up question, is he left-handed? I mean, because I don't know. <laughs> I... I think that would have to be a requirement when you're trying to get a mascot, wouldn't it? Like they, like they toss a baseball in the air, and if he catches it with the, with the right hand, yeah. they're like, get out. Yeah, I think so, right? It's got to be. I would think it's got to be a prerequisite that if your name is Southpaw, that you have to be left-handed. Okay. They were known as the Kannapolis Intimidators after Dale Earnhardt. I remember that. I'm looking this up now. That's the one I remember. I don't know. It doesn't really sound like Cannonballer, though. I, I, it, yeah. But the, I'm looking at their logo. It still looks like Dale Earnhardt. It's got a nice little mustache. I was going to say the White Sox probably could have used them on Patriot Day <laughs> to offset their terrible game against the Boston Red Sox. How would you, so, okay, they were known as the Kannapolis Intimidators after NASCAR driver Dale Earnhardt, who, known as the Intimidator, purchased a share of the team before 2001 season. You can't purchase shares, famously. We talked about this. You said stocks. <laughs> you know what? And I said owner shares. That's what you have. 
Are there not teams that have stocks? Stock is a publicly traded thing. The only team that's publicly owned are the Green Bay Packers, and we don't talk about them on this podcast. <laughs> you mean the new host of Jeopardy? He's evidently been killing it. Aaron Rodgers has been the guest host for I Jeopardy. Said we don't talk about this on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> we will talk about this off pod as usual. <laughs> How dare you embarrass me in front of Jennifer Lopez and the rest of the world? Well, you know what? The Trivial Pursuit podcast is sounding real nice right now. I'm going to give them a call. The real Matt Broach brings you Trivial Pursuits. <laughs> Two things that don't exist. Yeah. Well, Matthew and everybody listening, that's all we have for episode seven, uh, where we say the wrong name and <laughs> have a blast along the way. Um, I'd like to thank Matt for being here two hours late. Thanks. It's a time zone joke. You're welcome. I'll keep them coming. Uh, follow our official Instagram account, which is famously <laughs> trivial arguments. Don't follow any other account because they are phonies. Now you can follow my Instagram, Lendog92. That's dog D A D. WG. Yeah, you heard that. Or you can follow me personally on Twitter, which is just my name at Lenny Arquilla. One word, A R Q U I L L A. God only knows if you tried to follow Matt on Twitter, <laughs> you, you, you'd run into a lot of chaos. <laughs> is he real? Is he the fake one? Has he gotten a response from Outerbox? We'll never know. What is it, eight years? Good for you, man. Keep it going. Otterbox, if you're listening, you're eight years late. But uh, yeah, so for me, for Matt, always a pleasure. Uh, We will see you guys later. Take care, Matt.